Funding for Smart Talk is provided by Capital Blue Cross. For 80 years, Capital Blue Cross has offered products that provide peace of mind and promote good health. Focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Health and Wellness Centers that provide in-person service and inspire healthy living. Capital Blue Cross is behind you for whatever lies ahead. More information is at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross. Live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by UPMC Pinnacle, who is studying a new surgical technique that allows surgeons to make repairs to the heart without having to open the chest cavity and while the heart is beating. Info at upmcpinnacle.com. Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. Today is the first day to sign up for health insurance through the Affordable Care Act's online marketplace. The window to shop for and choose an insurance plan is shorter this year, only running until December 15th. Now, that compares to January 31st of last year. With several attempts to repeal and replace Obamacare in Washington and changes from the Trump administration, there are some differences from last year, or past years, I should say, and maybe even some confusion. To answer your questions today are our guests, Pennsylvania's Acting Insurance Commissioner, Jessica Altman. Commissioner Altman, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Also joining us, Lynn Kelts, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Mental Health Consumers Association, and Sue Walther, Executive Director of the Mental Health Association of Pennsylvania. Both are health care navigators. Ladies, welcome back to the program. Thank you. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. We're counting on your phone calls today to answer your questions about the open enrollment period for the Affordable Care Act. Again, 1-800-729-7532, or send an email to smarttalk at org. Commissioner Altman, I'm going to start with you. There has been a lot of discussion about repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, as many people refer to it. Has it created confusion, and if so, what kind of confusion? I think it has. I mean, I I still hear from people sometimes who aren't sure that the Affordable Care Act is still even law. Um, When you see on the news the the House uh, voted today or Congress voted today to repeal and and et cetera, headlines like that, I think people do do wonder what is still in place. They worry uh, that even if they do enroll in the marketplace, that it won't be there in the long term. And uh, we want to make sure that consumers know that the Affordable Care Act is still in place, and that means that all of the benefits and protections that that comes with are still there. And it also means that the individual responsibility requirement that means you have to buy health insurance or potentially face a penalty is still in place. So um, the marketplace is here. It's going to be here this year. And we, we really want consumers to, to come shop and look at their options. See, you know, something you just uh, described that uh, people wondered about the, the long-term uh, prospects for Obamacare, whether it would last. Um, and, and, you know, I, I detected that over the years that there were some people who uh, thought, well, I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, or at least they were hesitant to uh, to shop because they didn't think it would last. This year especially, though, I can see how so much coverage, and you're right, so often we heard about uh, repeal and replace that there would be people who would say, well, is it even available this year? So I, I want to turn to our navigators, though. Today is the first day for people to uh, to, to sign up, uh, but I'm sure you've gotten questions up until now. Do you have people who have called and asked, you know, do I sign up this year or is it even available this year? Actually, the calls we're getting are from people who seem to know it's available, and they're okay. wanting to know how to access it. Now, these are probably people. Some of the people are people we've had in the past, but we have new people emailing us or calling us and asking when they can sign up. So, although I'm very concerned about the press, as you mentioned, uh, there are some people who have been following it and understand that it still exists. Mm-hmm. And one thing that uh, we will not see as much of this year uh, is promotion from Washington. I mean, two two big differences. One is that uh, the, the sign-up period, the window to sign up, so uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, only goes to December 15th this year. Correct. Uh, and the other is that uh, the administration is not spending as much money on uh, promoting it so that there may be people who, if they are not aware, 
may not be as aware as, as in past years. Well, the administration cut two things. They cut their advertising by, I believe, 80 percent. They also cut grants to the Navigator program so that um, our our grant was cut, so we don't have as many navigators. We're, we're, we're less able, maybe, to help people. The numbers of people that we helped in the past, although we're going to do the best we can. Having said that, I think the Department of Insurance in Pennsylvania has done a great job at trying to replace what the administration in Washington is not doing. So they've made videos. They have a, a site that people can go on and get uh, many ans- questions answered. And, Commissioner, I wanted to talk about that uh, you know, because you, the state has tried to make up for uh, what Washington has done in the past. Uh, the state, not just uh, the insurance department, but there are some other agencies and organizations across the state that are trying to promote as well. But talk about what the state has made available to consumers out there. Right. Sure. So, you know, I don't want to uh, pretend that the resources of the Pennsylvania Insurance Department can compare it to that of the federal government, but we are doing what we can to try and get the word out and make sure that consumers understand what's happening, understand their options, and, and know to, to come in and enroll. And in particular, know about the shortened open enrollment period. And that really, um, for many people from now until December 15th, is the only time that they're going to have to enroll throughout the year unless they have a significant change in their, their life, life or coverage status. So uh, we are launching our own campaign. We will have some TV. We'll have radio ads. Um, we will have online advertising, including in Spanish, as well as social media advertising, just to try to get the word out. And a lot of those materials were developed working closely with uh, consumer advocacy organizations, provider organizations, um, and insurance companies to try to agree on messaging that we really need to get out into the Pennsylvania community. So uh, we're excited to be doing that. We have We're grateful for all of the partnerships that we have um, from other organizations, from other state agencies, from elected officials. And there are a lot of people uh, across the Commonwealth who are really dedicated to making sure that the word gets out. So we're, we're lucky for that. What concerns you the most? That consumers will sort of just say, you know, I saw that headline on the the rate increases and I'm not even going to come look this year because I think consumers, uh, while, you know, the the statewide average rate increase was 30 percent, and we can talk about that more and and why that happened and what that means, but um, most consumers are not going to see that. And in fact, there are some consumers um, that because this is a, a strange year and we're reacting to some uh, difficult decisions made in Washington, some consumers may actually have better choices this year than they have had in past years. So what I would uh, tell consumers is at least give it a shot, at least log on to healthcare.gov. Uh, we also make available a tool called Checkbook uh, that is a little bit faster to compare plans. It also has plans um, that are offered off of the marketplace for those that know they won't receive financial assistance. So at least come look, see the options, see if it's something um, that will fit within your budget and and give it a try. You know, we've uh, been doing this for a few years now, and I say we, meaning the the entire country and uh, Pennsylvania. What has been learned since the beginning of Obamacare? I mean, I know that a lot of people think back to uh, those nightmares at the very beginning when there were all the computer problems of getting online and, uh, you know, the phone numbers that were busy all the time. Fortunately, that was only one year for the most part, and that hasn't happened. But what have we learned since this started? I think we've learned a lot, and I'll be interested to see what the navigators have to say about that, having, you know, speaking to consumers on the ground all the time. I think one thing that we have learned um, is really the importance of focusing on more attributes of a health insurance plan than just that monthly premium, because I actually hear more about um, cost sharing and benefits and, you know, what my deductible is than I do about the actual monthly premium. And and that's something I really encourage consumers to take a look at. It can be very tempting to to go for the lowest cost monthly premium, um, but then only to find out you may have a a very high deductible. So um, thinking about the plan design uh, is one thing that that I have certainly learned to always talk to consumers about, but I don't know. And I'll bring the two of you in, but uh, I just to follow up on what yeah. you just said, I think that uh, what you're talking about is many people have become more insurance literate, mm-hmm. where it was just a focus on the premium. Now, they almost have no choice but to look at a premium and what's being offered. Uh, Lynn and Sue, what have you, what have you uh, seen over the years? I think what we've seen is that people really want to be insured. 
we've had many people who were uninsured due to their pre-existing health conditions that might be a mental health condition, it might be physical health, and when they went to buy insurance on the private market, they couldn't get it. And they have been very appreciative of this opportunity through the ACA to get insurance, and they're willing to work with us and explore what's out there. And they want to keep that coverage. You know, They want to be healthy. And I think that's some, a lesson that maybe people throughout the country didn't understand, that people really do want to be healthy and be insured. Are more people going to the doctor? Because one of, uh, when, when this whole plan was devised, Obamacare, one of the ideas behind it uh, was not only to drive down prices, which hasn't happened, maybe in some cases, but at the same time that the nation would be healthier, that people who were uninsured previously would go to the doctor, seek preventive care, and overall would be would be healthier. Have we seen that, that more people are going and are healthier? I, I would say that we were simply talking about our own experiences, and I don't know what the national data would tell us, but I, I certainly think the people that needed health care and were not seeking it because they couldn't afford to pay for it. And that's a lot of the people that Lynn was talking about in terms of pre-existing conditions. Right. They couldn't Which get, still exist, by the way. They couldn't get insurance. It didn't matter how much they were willing to pay. If they had certain pre-existing conditions, it wouldn't have covered those pre-existing conditions. So, of course, when they got insurance, they began to go to the doctors to have it treated. I think, but we're talking about what our own personal experience in terms of talking to individuals, in terms of what they found across the country or even in Pennsylvania, I can't be sure. I just have to assume that more people seek health care earlier, and that makes it less expensive over the long haul because if you get something and you go and have it treated early, everything's a little less expensive than if you wait till you have to go to the emergency room because it's become serious and more requires attention immediately. Mm. That's always the most expensive. But Commissioner Altman, uh, you know there is some, there there have been some unintended consequences, put it that way, that even though there are many, many more people who are insured and may seek uh, some medical attention for a condition they have, even a a pre-existing condition, just what you described earlier of those high deductibles and Mm co-pays, that there are a lot of people who may not need medical attention, only you want to go to the doctor on a regular basis for a checkup or something like that, who have avoided it because of high deductibles or high co-pays. Yeah, I think this is where, you know, understanding your health plan is so important because the Affordable Care Act makes critical preventive services available at no cost. So if you go in to get um, a, a test or a cancer screening, your vaccinations, all of those types of services should be at no cost. So um, consumers really shouldn't be deterred from seeking those services. The 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 basics. The basics. That are covered. Uh, right. it, you know, the preventive services covered are, are pretty extensive, but they are, you know, just preventive services, but also your annual wellness checkup with your physician. So, you know, go in for that annual wellness checkup because it'll be covered. Yeah, but we also do know there are people who may have a cold, for example, who, unless they're feeling awful, don't go to the doctor because, hey, I don't want to pay that copay or my deductible is $3,000. We do see that, and, and that's where I think. Um, I really encourage consumers to think about the plan that they're buying. I mean, if they don't want a high deductible, choose a plan that doesn't have one. And and there are trade-offs. What I will say is um, both the checkbook tool that we make available and healthcare.gov have a way to um, look at plans by predicting the annual cost to a person altogether. So it asks you questions about your health status, uses that to predict how much care you'll need and how much that'll cost, and adds together um, your premium for every month, but also what they think you'll spend of your deductible and your copay. And and that can actually be a much better way to compare plans than just looking at that monthly premium. So take advantage of that. And Lynn, I was going to ask you, you would see the same questions. I mean, those are the kind of questions that a navigator asks? Well, I just want to give an example. Um, yesterday, I looked up with, under the new insurance premiums, what would a person who's making $25,000 a year, what would he or she pay for insurance? And I put in that the person's a smoker, because if you're a smoker, it does cost you more to buy insurance. 
Um, this fictional person right now would be paying $139 a month for their insurance, which is a good price, but at 25000 a year, it might be difficult to pay. This year, they would get a subsidy or tax credit of $1,268. So they could get a gold plan through the marketplace for no premium at all because that subsidy offsets the cost of the premium, and they would only have a $500 deductible. So when Jessica or Suze talks about exploring options, it's really important to find out whether or not you would have a high deductible because this person would get a better deal this year than they had gotten in the past for insurance. Yeah, there's some irony in this. I want to talk about the bronze plans in particular. Uh, we're going to be taking your phone calls in just a few minutes. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Smart Talk is supported by Capital Blue Cross, providing health care coverage accepted by doctors and specialists in all 50 states. More information is available at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by UPMC Pinnacle, who has offered transapical mitral valve repair procedures for more than three years and currently serves as a trial site for over 50 clinical trials. Information at upmcpinnacle.com slash myheart. Welcome back to Smart Talk. Today is the first day of open enrollment for Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, and uh, we're answering your questions. Going to get uh, to the telephone and your emails in just a moment. 1-800-729-753. Or send an email to smarttalk at WITF.org. You can leave a question or comment on WITF's Facebook page. On Twitter, we are at SmartTalkWITF. Again, that phone number, 1-800-729-7532. Have an email here, and I'm going to get to this one right off the bat because we get it every year when uh, we do have a discussion about open enrollment. Uh, Linda wants to know how will what's happened this year uh, affect people on Medicare? It should not have any effect at all. People on Medicare still have Medicare. When you turn 65, you transition from the marketplace to Medicare, and everybody's good with their Medicare right now. So if you are 65 and over, you do not have to be concerned about other than what everyone is paying, uh, but you do not have to go to the exchange and, and look for a plan. You do not have to, and you're not allowed to. Okay. All right, let's go to Matt in York. Matt? You have one of the big questions for this year. What's on your mind? Well, uh, my wife and I are self-employed. We live down here in York, and we work here. Um, and we use the exchange and buy the uh, plans for ourselves. Um, what we understand, what I'm trying to understand is, what is the deal with subsidies right now? Because I know that the White House has said that they're not going to authorize subsidies. Congress is trying to work out a, a deal where they pay for it. But then I hear reports just in the last day that, well, subsidies are going up. And uh, so I'm, I'm, can you kind of sort out what exactly is the situation with subsidies right now? Hey, Matt, before we do that, can I ask, and I mean, this may be none of my business, but I'm just trying to get an idea here, what you and your wife have paid on a monthly basis since you are self-employed? Well, um, I, three years ago it was about twelve hundred, and that was as we were paying as a business, and then it went up to sixteen seventy five a month as a business, and then last year because it was going to go up to twenty four hundred dollars, we had to actually go on the marketplace as individuals and buy it for our family, and it would be about twenty six hundred. But with the subsidy, it's actually 1200 So we consider that a break. Okay. All right. Uh, Commissioner, uh, he asked the question that uh, it probably caused the most confusion this year and still continues to, as he said, just heard yesterday about the subsidies that some may not have. What's the deal with subsidies this year? Right. So uh, the Affordable Care Act makes two different types of subsidies or financial assistance available uh, to consumers based on their income. And, and some people qualify for one, some people qualify for both. The first is called a premium tax credit, and that is what helps lower the monthly premium for consumers. That subsidy 
has not changed, has not gone anywhere. Um, so consumers who receive assistance paying that monthly premium, um, like you, um, will not have, will still have access to that benefit. The second is called cost-sharing reductions, and that helps uh, the lowest-income marketplace consumers uh, lower the cost of their out-of-pocket costs, like deductibles and copays. That is the benefit where the Trump administration has decided not to make payments to health insurers to cover the cost of that benefit. Now, the interesting thing here is that insurance companies are actually still required to provide that benefit under law. So no consumer is losing access to that benefit either. What it does mean is that the cost to pay for that benefit is going to have to be built into the insurance company's monthly premium um, in order to cover the cost of so providing that benefit. Up. So premiums will go up. But, you know, my department and, and states around the country, a lot of them are doing the same thing, spent a lot of time thinking about how we account for that additional cost in premiums. And what we did is we had insurers build the cost into what's called an on-exchange silver plan, which is a mid-level plan that many people have on the marketplace. And why that's important is that the the monthly premium subsidy that you get, and you can use um, on a silver plan or you can use it on a bronze plan or a gold plan or a platinum plan, um, is based on the cost of that silver plan. So when the silver plan goes up disproportionately to the other plans, um, so does the subsidy you get. And that's why this year um, you may go on and actually find um, a bronze plan might be available to you for, for a $0 monthly premium. And a gold plan that has much lower cost sharing um, may actually be cheaper than a silver plan. So um, most people, about 80% of Pennsylvanians on the marketplace receive financial assistance. So um, most people will not face the full rate increases and can certainly choose a plan that will help them not face it. So that's why I'm telling consumers this year, please shop. Mm. Matt, thank you very much for your call. Good luck with that. Uh, all right, so let's dive into that a little bit more uh, because the bronze plan, as you said, there mm-hmm. may be some people who will pay nothing at all, which is uh, you know, different than, than in years past. Why wouldn't everyone choose a, choose a bronze plan then? Yeah, so the bronze plans, you know, if it's a the monthly cost that you're primarily worried about, that, that can be a good option. And it's certainly a better option than forgoing insurance altogether and, and potentially paying the penalty when you could have insurance for free. And if something did happen, an unexpected accident or illness, for example, you would have that, that coverage. On the other hand, bronze plans have the highest cost sharing. So they have the highest deductibles. They have the highest co-pays. So that's where you want to think about, would I rather pay a moderate amount every month for a, to have a lower deductible when I need care, or do I want to have a plan that doesn't cost um, anything this month and, and worry about it when I need to receive care? So you just need to, to do that equation, and that's where that total cost of care I was talking about earlier can be really helpful. When you say highest deductibles, how high? Uh, they can be up to about five or $6,000 for an individual and up to 10, 10 or so for a family um, at the high end. Uh, Sue and Lynn, when, I mean, you lead people through this process of having to decide what they want. Are they still focused on premiums? I mean, because some of these, these premiums, some of here is $1,200 a month, even though Matt it, you know, it, it's much better than $2,400 a month. That still seems like an awful lot to, to, to people. What are, are people still focused on the premiums or are they looking overall now that, okay, here's my deductible, here's the kind of care that I need, here, here's what's important to me? You said it earlier. I think people have become more insurance literate. I think when we started, people really didn't understand exactly how insurance worked. And so there were some surprises probably when people signed up the first year Um, maybe without a navigator's help. And then they found out as they went through the year that maybe their copays were higher than they expected or Mm -hmm. higher than they could afford. I think people did become much smarter about what they need and looking at if you're a healthy person and you're not going to need to go into the doctor very often and you're going to take the risk that that's going to stay the case for the next year, a bronze plan may be the way you want to go because the premium is lower and and you you don't think you're going to be going into the doctors very frequently. I just think people have gotten more literate, so I think they look at both. I don't think they're just looking at one or the other. You know, one go ahead, Lynn. Um, also, when you apply or enroll through healthcare.gov, you can compare each plan. If you want to look at three plans at a time, 
you can see the premium, the deductible, the copay, the drug copay. You can look at all those things and decide what's best for you. There's also a tool where you can look to see if your doctors are in that plan or if the drugs you need are covered by that plan and at what tier. So there's a lot more tools now than there were in our first year. And as navigators, we guide people through those and help them figure it out. Commissioner, Lynn just mentioned uh, medication. Uh, this is something that may not get as much attention unless you need them. You need uh, the, those monthly prescriptions. Uh, we know that uh, the premiums overall have gone up like 30%. What about for, well, okay, we're saying without, you know, before, you no, know, it's like 30%, right? Uh, on average. On average, yes. like 30%. Okay. And, and I, I would just caution by saying the premiums have gone up by an average of 30%, but the cost a consumer will pay has not gone okay. up by an average I of 30%. I wanted, wanted to have yeah. you make that point. But my question was about uh, prescription medication. What about yeah. that? What about the prices? What about the, the co-pays? Uh, has there been any real changes there? Uh, no. So prescription drugs are included in all Affordable Care Act plans, and they are covered. Um, it can be complicated how they're covered. They're often tiered. And what that means is that there's a set of drugs. Uh, generic drugs are generally obviously cheaper uh, than brand-name drugs. And drugs are also put in these tiers where the lowest-tier drugs um, will have a lower copay than the, the next highest tier. So understanding your needs for pharmaceutical drugs and looking at the plans and seeing, well, there's a a drug that I, I know that I need, and this plan I'm going to pay $10 every time I need it, and this other plan I'm going to pay $40 um, can be a big difference to consumers. So that's why these tools, which are actually both on healthcare.gov and the checkbook tool that we have, are, are really helpful for consumers who have particular needs, particular prescriptions, particular physicians they want to be able to see. All right. I don't know whether you can do this quickly or not <laughs> because it, it can be complicated and there's the a lot test. to think about it. But uh, if you would, go down through the, the, the four plans, the gold, silver, bronze, and platinum, and you know describe the, the features of each, if you would. And again, I'm asking you to do it quickly, but just kind of what are the some of the highlights of these plans? Sure. So, so actually, really the only difference across the metal levels um, is the cost sharing. And the higher, the more expensive the metal, right, the less cost sharing that, that you'll have. And, and of course, the premium changes is more expensive to get a more generous plan. But they cover the same services. You have your free preventive services. None of them can discriminate on health status. All of those things that we hear about are in all of those plans. Um, so we use what we call actuarial value, which is a really fancy way of saying um, the percent of costs a consumer uh, that will be covered by the health plan after the monthly premium. So you got platinum, 90% of the costs will be covered, uh, gold, 80, silver, 70, bronze, 60. So um, that percent, um, sort of the, the consumer portion is divided between the deductible and the copay. So the higher the metal level, the less you'll pay when you seek care. Okay. All right, let's take some phone calls. Dave is in Chambersburg. Dave, you're on the air. Hello, Dave. All right. Uh, you know, he said that the quick insight, uh, what no one is addressing is the amount for health care uh, that, uh, you know, what we're paying for it overall. And, Commissioner, I don't know whether you can address this or not, but this is, uh, you know, the name of this whole law was the Affordable Care Act. It was designed to bring prices down. For the most part, that hasn't happened. But are there ways that um, health care... I don't know, how, how do I put this question? Um, is the day coming where we can see some light at the end of the tunnel where the cost of health care is leveling off or coming down? Is there any reason to be optimistic there? You know, I, I'm hopeful, um, and I couldn't agree with that comment more. I think the conversation that I keep hoping we will have nationally is about how we tackle the underlying costs of care. Um, and, and that's not the conversation we're having right now with all the talk of repeal and replace, but I'm hopeful we'll get there. Um, there is some movement towards, um, first of all, more transparency. So we have a couple of pieces of legislation actually here in Pennsylvania, one that would make um, overall cost of care more transparent in what's called an all 
small paraclaims database, one that would make um, pharmaceutical costs more transparent and re- require pharmaceutical companies to report on costs. So that's a first step, I think. Um, perhaps something more promising is we're seeing a huge movement changing how uh, we as a country pay for healthcare services. And what I mean by that is historically we have paid fee for service. So um, you do, a doctor provides another service, they get more money. And, and that's really created incentives for volume and potentially for um, excessive utilization of, of healthcare services. And we're seeing a movement to what we call paying by value, uh, which is where you integrate payments based on quality, based on healthcare outcomes. Um, into the payment structure so that doctors are not incentivized to provide more care, they're incentivized to provide better care. And we're, there's a lot of experimentation in that space right now, uh, but I'm hopeful that when those trends grow over time, when we see more adoptions of those types of payment models, uh, our Medicaid program has really increased take up, for example, in recent years of those, of those models. So um, that's one thing to be hopeful about, but I think there's a lot more discussion to be had about healthcare costs. Now, you, you said uh, a huge movement. Most of us haven't seen that huge movement. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't. I mean, you don't know... Um do you know how your doctor is paid if they're fee for service no, or paid? Exactly. I so don't. see, um, that's it, just it. I yeah. don't. I, as a consumer, don't know. Don't know. I mean, there, yeah. there's a lot when you talk about transparency. Um, you know, there, there's some irony here in that we can shop for insurance, but we really can't shop for healthcare. We don't know what the cost is. I, I totally agree, and and um, we've been talking about uh, with stakeholders across the Commonwealth. We we call it shoppable care, um, which is where there are services. There are services you can can't shop for you can't shop for an emergency no. room because you're going to go to the closest one right and, um and, and although i'm cheap if i have a heart attack i'm going to say you know <laughs> yeah you're gonna cheaper, go to, yeah? please don't go to urgent care if you have a heart attack please go to the er i promise um and uh so you know w- we need to um, make this more transparent and give consumers the tools. Now, actually, all of the health insurance plans in Pennsylvania do make available to their enrollees uh, price shopping tools, but not a lot of people use them. So, um, ch- you know, try logging in. Um, some of them are better than others, and I, I think there's still a lot of work to be done. But try logging into your insurance portal and saying, "I'm if I need a hip and knee replacement, go look at that tool and see what might be cheaper. Because um, the more we make those tools available to consumers, the more I hope they'll use them. Really? I, I mean, obviously, emergencies are a different situation, yeah. but where you can plan, that's where it is easiest to, to, to shop. Let's go to Robert in Lancaster. Robert, you're on the air. Uh, yes, I was curious, uh, you know, speaking of transparency, I, I'm curious to what extent, uh, you know, you hear about people who are uninsured who, thanks to Obamacare, have become insured. I'm curious to what extent it's backfired where there were those who were insured before um, Obamacare came to be that are now leaving the insurance market or going to, you know, health share networks, and um, and to what extent that is the reason why uh, health care continues to keep hiking up in cost. All right, thank and, you. Because um, there's a number of families uh, firsthand that I've had this discussion with who just say we can't afford to be in the insurance market anymore, so we're leaving it and going to these health share entities. Thank you very much for your call. First of all, what is a health sharing entity? And, uh, you know, if you can answer his question. Sure. So a health care sharing ministry is an entity allowed under federal law um, for um, religious organizations and religious organi- individuals to um, sort of pool together and provide the care for, for their own for right. community. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say um, some states are seeing more take up of healthcare ministries than, than others. And um, it's interesting to, to hear you say that here in Pennsylvania. Because to be quite honest, it's not something that I've heard a lot about. What I will say is that uh, we have reached an absolute historic. Uh, low uninsurance rate nationally and in Pennsylvania. So before the Affordable Care Act, our uninsurance rate in Pennsylvania was over 10%, and it's now down to uh, just over 5.5%. So that is by far uh, the lowest it has ever been. You know, we just got 2016 census data this summer. The year before that, we were at 6.8%. So it's been steadily going down since the Affordable Care Act, partially because of the marketplace and largely because of Governor Wolf's critical decision to expand the Medicaid program. All right. So, Sue and Lynn, let's talk about uh, some of the nuts and bolts here. When, as we said, that there are a lot of people when they hear that uh, the premiums have gone up an average of 30 
over 30% here in Pennsylvania. And as we've pretty much established that there are a lot of people like we're scared that, uh, hey, I'm not even going to bother because I can't afford that. But for the people who are coming to you and uh, asking questions, what are the biggest questions this year? Well, open enrollment just start started right, right. today. Right, so you're not, I know you're not. So my first appointment's at 1 o'clock. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, but I, I expect there, there'll be the same questions they've always had. They may want to sort out what they've been hearing on the news, but they're coming to us to look for insurance. So we will again ask them to bring their recent pay stubs, last year's tax, um, income tax report, and to bring in their Social Security numbers, birth dates of everybody in the family who needs insurance. And then we'll be able to sit down and look at what is available to them. But I, I think that that's what they're going to be asking. What can I get? What will I pay for it? The thing that worries me is the people who right off the bat say, oh, well, it's unaffordable. We won't hear from them. We won't get questions from them because they've given up. And, and we the- don't want anybody to give up. We don't want anybody to think that their insurance premium has gone up by 30% because it probably has not. Just the tiny majority, minority will be paying more. And by the way, if you do not uh, get insurance this year, the fine is uh, $695. That has continued to go up from the beginning of when this law was implemented. $695 is what you'll pay. Over the years, there have been people who have decided that, uh, oh, I'd rather pay that, that fine than pay more in insurance. Well, that continues to go up, and $695 is nothing to sneeze at. And that's per adult in the household, and there's another cost for children. So, Sue, one of the things that when we're talking about the subsidies and the tax credits, uh, a a lot of people think that they have to be low income. But let's talk about some of those low income that, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, what are some of the income levels? And and all three of you can weigh in on this. uh, But what are some of the income levels that, uh, you know, will give people an idea of what they should be seeking? Sue's looking at me because um, I didn't bring that chart with me, but an individual who's making under $17,000 a year would probably be Medicaid eligible, and we we help people decide that also. Uh, An individual making one person in the household making about $46,000, $47,000 a year would still qualify for some amount of a, a premium help. A subsidy with it, with their premium. Now, the more money you make in that scale of seventeen thousand to forty six thousand, the little bit less premium help you'll get, but you will get some help. And I don't have the numbers with me about the family. But those are ballpark figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Commissioner, is there a like a a top income that where you will get no assistance with whatsoever? Sure, yeah, and, and that's that sort of just under 50000 for an individual that Lynn was talking about. I, I think for a family, it, it's much closer to actually $90,000. So um, there there is that point, and I did want to make this point because actually it is that group of people, the about 20% of marketplace enrollees who don't receive any subsidy that, that I worry about the most and who are probably the most scared about the rate increase headlines because they know they're not going to get any help. Uh, what I will say is... Uh, two things. First of all, these disproportionate rate increases that we're talking about because of the Trump administration's decision not to pay the cost-sharing reductions are um, only on silver plans. So bronze plans, gold plans, platinum plans didn't rise disproportionately. Uh, Now, they they probably did go up some degree, but they did not go up 30%. Um, And the second thing that I'll say is we worked with all of our health insurance companies to make sure that they provided a silver plan that is sold only off of the exchange that does not have that disproportionate rate increase from the cost-sharing reductions that are only available on the exchange. So if you're in that population and you think that mid-level silver plan is for you, um, do one of two things. One, either or three things. One, call Navigator. They can help you. Um, two, log on to our checkbook tool because it has both. Um, or three, if you know what health insurance company that, that you want to um, buy your plan from, call them. And, and any of those entities can help you find um, the, the sort of more normally priced silver plant that we have made sure is available for that population. Something you just reminded me of that is a little bit different this year, at least I haven't heard it this year, is that it may make more sense money-wise 
for someone to shop, shop off the exchange. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, only if you're not eligible for subsidies. So if you're not sure whether or not you're eligible for a subsidy, you can go to healthcare.gov. They'll help you find out or, or a checkbook tool. But if you know that your income exceeds um, the threshold and you're not going to get any financial assistance, I would really recommend using our, our checkbook tool because that'll help you sort through the options on the exchange, the options off the exchange, all in one place and tell you where you can go to enroll in whatever plan you choose. When we say off the exchange, does that mean dealing with an insurance company one-on-one? It, yeah, that, that's generally the, the best way to enroll um, is, is directly through the insurance company. But what I want to stress is that um, these off-exchange plans have all of the benefits and all of the protections and are actually in the same risk pool as all of the, the on-exchange plans. The only difference is you can only receive financial assistance by shopping on the exchange through healthcare.gov. Um, but I do want to caution, you know, there are other um, sort of health plans or, or, or things that say they're health plans that can be sold out in the market that actually don't comply with all those requirements. So going to checkbook is the best way to make sure that you get a plan with all of the protections and a plan that will ensure that you won't have to pay that $695. Tell me if this fits that bill. Uh, short-term limited duration plan, it, what is that? That is exactly what fits that bill. Um, short-term limited duration plans are plans that are intended to do exactly that, fill a gap. So you're in between jobs for three months. Uh, you don't want to get a whole new plan that might have a $5,000 deductible because you're never going to spend that in, f- in three months. Um, so you can buy these short-term limited duration plans. But what I want to stress is they're, they don't have all of the protections of the Affordable Care Act. They can deny based on health status. Um, they don't necessarily have catastrophic coverage. So if something bad happens and you have one of those plans, you're going to pay a lot more um, than, than you think you might and a lot more than you would with a, a full medical plan through the Affordable Care Act. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We are talking about uh, health care today. It is the first day of open enrollment for the Affordable Care Act, answering your insurance questions. If you have a question or comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at WITF.org. By the way, to learn more about this issue, plus a deeper look at the changing tide of health care, check out WITF's Transforming Health from Policy to Personal Choices. We're taking a comprehensive look at today's health system. Online at transforminghealth.org, a partnership of WITF, Penn State Health, and WellSpan Health. Our guest, Pennsylvania's Acting Insurance Commissioner Jessica Altman. Lynn Kelts and Sue Wather are navigators. They will help you. In fact, by the way, while we're talking about it, let's give a phone number if uh, uh, someone would want to uh, contact you to get some assistance uh, with the shopping for their health care this year. How would they do that? That number is toll-free. It's 1-855-274-5626. And we will put that on our website, WITF.org. Daryl is in York. Daryl, you're on the air. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yes, I have a question. I current, We currently have a, a health plan through the ACA, and we would uh, like to shop this year. Can I go on and shop uh but if I choose to keep my existing plan, I can just cancel out of the shopping. Uh, how how does that work exactly? On on healthcare.gov, there is a feature that says "See Plans First," so you don't actually have to start enrolling. You put in some of your basic information, but it is not an application, and it will take you to the plan comparisons so that you can see if if that's what you're going to want to do. So, yes, you can okay, absolutely thanks. shop without choosing a new plan. All right. Thank you. Shopping does not mean buying. No. <laughs> so, I shop. I window shop all the time. Uh, let's go to, let's see. Uh, I want to go to, let's see, Mitch in Chambersburg. Mitch, you're on the air. Thank you, Scott. You're welcome. Uh, great, great program. I tuned in a little late today. Um, and uh, so I didn't catch if the, the, your guest had given the link the uh, checkbook. That sounds like that would probably be the place to start. 
Sure. Um, the easiest thing to do is to go to insurance.pa.gov, um, and there will be, be links to all the information that the insurance department um, makes available, as well as links to Checkbook. And I, I think uh, Scott said he'll also have links yes. on the website following the show. Yeah, we'll put uh, links like that uh, on our website, WITF.org. Yeah, I have to remember from time to time that uh, not everyone's listening the entire hour, maybe t- uh, tuning in from time to time. I want to bring up a couple scenarios here that... Uh, and you've, you've touched on a few of them, but uh, someone who has lost a job, wh- what do they do as far as, and you know, they may have been covered uh, through insurance through their employer. What do they do this year? Sure. So if you lost your job now, I mean, it's good timing with open enrollment and, and you can come in and shop like anybody else. I don't think it's a good time to lose a job. Well, <laughs> sure. That's a good, yeah. Timely, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, I shouldn't have said it like that. Um, but the, you know, if you lose a job uh, later in the year after open enrollment uh, is over, you can still enroll. So there's something called special enrollment periods where if something significant happens, like you lose your job or you lose your current health insurance for any reason, uh, or you have a significant change in your family structure, you get married, you have a a child, you get divorced, um, you can come back and shop uh, at a later date. So um, please don't feel like uh, if that happens to you and and it's not between now and December 15th that that you're out in the cold, you can absolutely come back. The navigators will still be available. Um, Healthcare.gov and checkbook will still be available. So um, come and enroll at that time. But um, I just want to stress, if you don't have one of those significant changes in your life and you don't qualify for a special enrollment period, you have to enroll by December 15th this year. Married or divorced? Either, I'm either, not asking you. Right? <laughs> either one would qualify you to come. <laughs> I, I know. I should have asked. I should a few more words with that. That was not a personal question. <laughs> if you get married or divorced during that, during uh, the, the off uh, yes. exchange time, right? Yes. You, you go back to... You yes. can go back to healthcare.gov, correct? Okay. All yeah. right. And I would add that you... You have 60 days from the time you lose insurance or from the time your life changes to enroll in that special enrollment period. So don't wait till three months out and realize you don't have health insurance because your time period's passed and you'll have to wait till open enrollment. Yeah. So 60 days from the and time the you lose. And the other thing is that navigators are available not just during open enrollment but also during the whole year. So mm-hmm. it's important if you want help uh, dur- sometime during the next year you, that you get in touch with the navigators if you need help. All right. We have an email here. It says, uh, I'm a widow age 81 who had to retire this year to attend more fully to my 59-year-old daughter who lives with me and is on disability due to memory loss. Last year, her monthly medical costs were $103. Last week, we received a letter that her current coverage will be over $500 in 2018, which neither she nor I can afford. We actually have an appointment this morning at 11 to go into the office and discover, discover, discuss other options. Okay, can we give her some options or some uh, talking points going in? Sure. It's hard to say without fully knowing her circumstance and, and why she may have gotten that notice. And, and uh, I'm going to assume for what I say that she does receive coverage through the marketplace and, and not elsewhere. But if it's through the marketplace, so so one thing is come shop, as, as we've said all along, because if your price really is going up that much for, for that plan, uh, there may be another option. The other thing I'll say um, is sometimes um, there's a notice that, that simply talks about how the premium goes up and doesn't account for any financial assistance that, that you may receive. So um, that may actually be you know the price of the plan before your assistance. So once again, um, come back and check. I'm, I'm glad that um, they have an appointment and they can sort all of this out. You know, something that um, I'm sure that many people wonder about when this is based on, you know, subsidies and Medicaid, qualifying for Medicaid, a lot of those things are are based on income. But is it taken into account what your debts are? I mean, you may have a $25,000 income, but you may be paying back school loans. You may be paying a mortgage or something like that. Is that taken into account? There are certain things that are taken into account. Mortgage, they don't look at that. Why? But it's like your biggest... I didn't I didn't make the law. I don't know why. Why? I have to yell at someone. <laughs> <laughs> but there are things like student loans can... Uh, enable you to get a, a 
subsidy on the exchange. And there's a there's a list of things that we have as navigators that we can help people figure out. But not your mortgage, Scott. Not your credit card I, debt. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't see. I don't understand that that your student debt would count, but your mortgage wouldn't. Don't I mean, know. I know. I know you don't make the laws. I'm just. Uh, Voicing my uh, opinion at this point, which I don't often do, but anyway, I just put just put that out there. Um, you know, one thing that uh, Commissioner, and this is kind of a basic question for your job, but uh, a lot of people probably wonder how you decide rates when insurance companies come to you. How do you decide on whether you know if they're asking for a rate increase, whether it's justified, how much? They can do that. Sure. So insurance companies submit extremely extensive rate filings to us that include a lot of data and all of their assumptions that build a rate. So assumptions around what they'll be spending on claims, how many people will be enrolled, uh, what their administrative costs will be, how those things will change over time from year to year, and all of that information. And then it goes into this magical land where really smart people called actuaries <laughs> um, review all of that information. Um, we look, you know, why might one health plan uh, have, you know, it expect much higher costs this year than another, um, and all of that information. So we look at all of that. Um, we ask insurance companies sometimes to, to make changes if we believe that there were inaccuracies or unfair assumptions. This year, of course, was uh, different because of all the changes that happened at the federal government while we were in the midst of, of reviewing rates. But that's how the process should work. We only have about 30 seconds left. I want to thank the three of you for being with us today. Uh, Commissioner, start with you. Website, best way for people to uh, to shop? Insurance.pa.gov. Um, shop if you uh, know you are not eligible for financial assistant, assistance. Uh, checkbook is our tool on insurance.pa.gov. If you know that you are or you're not sure, healthcare.gov or uh, call a navigator at any time. How do you do that? You do that by dial for us, for our navigators, and there are other navigators. One eight five five two seven four five six two six. I want to thank all three of you for being with us today. Hopefully, we answered a lot of your questions. I know that uh, as we go through the uh, exchange period, the open exchange period, that many more questions will arise. But thank the three of you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. Coming up on uh, tomorrow's program, talk a little bit about uh, when we talked about uh, getting healthy and staying healthy. Uh, the state has some plans, some concrete plans uh, to expand trails here in central Pennsylvania going all the way from Philadelphia to Lebanon and uh, along the Susquehanna River, southern York County, all the way into Maryland. Uh, so we'll be talking with the uh, Secretary of the Department of uh, Community uh, Conservation and uh, Natural Resources, uh, Cindy Dunn. That's coming up on uh, tomorrow's program. Smart Talk is produced by WITF as part of our mission to deliver relevant, high-quality programming. Support comes from Capital Blue Cross, which shares WITF's commitment to being a trusted resource in our communities. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by UPMC Pinnacle. Its 11 principal investigators and 12 nurse coordinators conduct research efforts to advance cardiovascular medicine. Information at upmcpinnacle.com slash myheart.